The first budget is on page 37. Bajan of Sanchez, Sayoni Ikanura Ilahi. Dear ones, a divine light has come in this world, and he is called by the name Sant Kirpal. He is not involved in birth and death because he has come for the benefit of others. Giving his own life impulse, he makes the devotees do the devotion of the Lord and unites them with the Almighty. He learned Sant Mat giving up all other learning and other positions. Going far and near, he cooled down the heated hearts, and he made people meditate on the Nam. Wherever he went and sat, he made people do the meditation of Nam. Going to many different countries, he made the souls reach Satnam and made them drink the nectar of Nam. He is the beloved of one and all and the preserver of all. He is taking care of all countries, all communities, all religions. He is the giver. He is the remover of pain. By making everyone meditate on Nam, by putting them on the path of Nam, he liberates them. His father, Hukum Singh, in whose home he was born, and his mother, Gulab Devi, are very fortunate ones to give birth to such a master who is liberating the whole world. After getting the treasure of Nam from Emperor Sawan, he has given the riches of Nam to everyone. He became pleased with this poor Ajaib, planted the plant of Nam within him, and gave him the satsang. Dear ones, a divine light has come in this world, and he is called by the name Sant Kirpal. Sayoni Ikanura Ilahi Ay ay namoda kirpal santa kahaye seyoni eknura ilahi ay ay namoda kirpal santa kahaye janma maran dahu nahi jan par par upakari aaye janma maran dahu nahi jan par upakari aaye jiya dan de bhagti layana har syolena milaye pani farmayaaye namoda kirpal santa kahaaye Sayoni Ikanura Ilahi Ayaye Namoda Kirpal Santa Kahaye Karikamai Santa Matadi Chade Ode Sare Karikamai Santa Matadi Chade Ode Sare Vich paradesha jake usane tapade hirde tare namajapayae namoda kirpal santa kahayae seoni iknura ilahi ayae 
namo da kirpal santakayae jis darti the ja ke bete ote nam japaya jis darti the ja ke bete ote nam japaya des de santar fir ke te sat naam dacha kar laya amrit pyaya e namo da kirpal santakaya e seyoni ek noor ilahi aaya e namo da kirpal santakaya e Sabda premi, sabda pritam, sabda rakanhar hoya. Sabda premi, sabda pritam, sabda rakanhar hoya. Sab mulka samkhama mazbada, dardi te datar hoya. Nam japa ke raste paya e Nam da kirpal santa kaya e Seyoni ek noor ilahi aya e Nam da kirpal santa kaya e Pagapariya pita hukam singh jis de kar vich aaye Pagapariya pita hukam singh jis de kar vich aaye Gulab devi de bag jag pe jis di khuk to jaye chasvar taaye Namo da kirpal santa kaya e Seyoni ek noor ilahi aya e Namo da kirpal santa kaya e Savan shato namak jane leke kubal taye Savan shato namak jane leke kubal taaye Kush hoya ajayb garib te nam de bhute laaye sat sanga chalayaye Namo da kirpal santa kahayaye Seyoni ek noor ilahi aya e Namo da kirpal santa kaya e Dear ones, the divine light has come in this world and he is called by the name Sant Kirpal. He is the beloved one. He is the beloved of one and all and the preserver of all. He is taking care of all countries, all communities, all religions. He is the giver. He is the remover of pain. By making everyone meditate on Nam, by putting them on the path of Nam, he liberates them.
And our second bhajan is on page 43, also by Sanchi. Satguru Sache Mere Data. Oh, my true Satguru, the giver, we have come to your door. We have come to your door. We have come to your door. We have been separated from you for many births and are suffering the fruits of karmas. Cut the fetters of birth after birth. We have been so confused. We have become the beggars at your door. O Satguruji, have grace and mercy. Cause the rain of Nam to flow. The plants have withered. May the stream of nectarful Nam flow. Spread the coolness in the heated hearts. Put the alms of Nam in the Joli. Becoming beggars, we have come. The servant Ajayab makes this request. O Kirpal Guruji, save my honor. O Satguru, give me your boon. We have come to your shelter. O my true Satguru, the giver, we have come to your door.
become the beggars at your door. O Satguruji, have grace and mercy. Cause the rain of Nam to flow. The plants have withered. O my true Satguru, the giver, we have come to your door. But Susan Shannon is still fine and should be sitting here next Sunday, God willing. Um, this is letter letters from Baba Sawan Singh to his disciples from the book Spiritual Gems, um, picking up from when I last read at satsang in these on back several months ago. Um, this is letter number 195. Again, Baba Sawan Singh to his disciples. I am glad to receive your letter and to read that your faith in the Master is firm and you are busy with the exercises despite the infirmities of old age. 
and that you long to see the Master's radiant form and hear his melodious voice. Rest assured that the Master is within you and is watching you and will not leave you alone. He knows his part well and is playing it. Have courage. There is no room for despair here. The word is the foundation on which the whole visible and invisible structure of the universe is resting. Everything has sprung from this word. The master is the embodiment of this word and is one with it. Your karmic debt is being paid up, and the more you pay here, the better, for then the rise hereafter will be unhindered. I fully realize your situation. When life ceases to have any charm, but instead feels burdensome, when memory is failing and thoughts are not fixed, much of this life is gone and little remains. Try, try to surrender your will to his will so that the moment he calls you, you are ready to go with him. This is page, I mean, this is letter number 196. I'm glad to read that you can smile on it all now as childish nonsense. It was a shock to your attachment. Beauty lies in working without attachment. I do not mean calculated or reasoned detachment, but detachment which becomes a part of life. This is possible only when the mind is under control and saturated with the sweet music within. The Californians are beginners yet. They have not yet realized what satsang really means. In this line of work, they are like ignorant children. By and by, they will learn. As satsangis, you should look at their souls and not at their minds. The evil is in the mind and is curable. I wish that you remain in correspondence with the Californians and meet them when convenient. They will be benefited by corresponding with you. Your clear, unbiased minds will tell upon them. Your loving and affectionate letters will induce love and affection in them, and their hearts will melt. Sant Mat is not a platform for debates. It is the glory of love. They will come round, and I think they will respond to love with love. Saints look at the devotee's soul and not at his mind or body, and that is the reason why saints are never disappointed. Attachment to the body ends in pain because the body is changeable and perishable. Mental attachments fare no better either. Man is endowed with the power of detaching himself from body and mind. Hence, it is incumbent upon him to develop this power and be free from the ills of body and mind. The easiest way to do this is to associate himself with something which is beyond the body and mind, and that is the sound current. The greater the association with the current, the greater the detachment from the body and the mind. The world has never been kind to saints and their real followers. The great Guru Nanak was made to grind corn in a jail, was refused shelters by villagers, etc., Gura Arjan was made to sit on a hot iron plate. Shamas Tabrez was flailed alive. Mansur was blinded and then beheaded. Christ was crucified. What to say of the harsh words? 
But what was the response of these great men? Christ said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You may ask any question you like. There's no restriction. Your question as to whom to look for guidance if the present master goes out of life is very appropriate. The master leaves the physical form in his time like other people, but remains with his devotees in the astral form as long as the devotee has not crossed the astral plane. All internal guidance will be done by him, and it is he who will come to take charge of the soul at the time of death. A devotee who rises above the eye center now and meets him daily will meet him inwardly there as usual. The master will continue to discharge his inner duties of guidance as before, only he cannot give instructions outwardly for the simple reason that he has left the physical vehicle. The functions which would be performed through the physical frame only will now be done by the successor. All outward guidance will be done by the successor, and the devotees of the master who is gone will love the successor no less. They will get the benefit of the outlined instructions from the successor. Correspondence also will be done with the successor, and you will know who the successor is. As to your inquiry about myself, I have asked the secretary to reply to you directly. I will, however, repeat that I am no incarnate. Incarnation usually means a representative of the power, Brahm. I am no adept either. I am a humble servant of the saints. And in Sant Mat, no one says anything regarding himself. Guru Nanak says, Father, I am at thy feet. Have mercy upon me. And finally, a lengthy letter, number 197. The master in his astral form is always with you inside, and if you go in, you can see him personally and even talk to him. The answers to your problems are, 1. Yes, the master never dies. While living, he helps his pupils externally by means of sound advice and external guidance. He also helps them internally in his astral form after they have gone inside. When he leaves the physical frame, then his external work is carried on by a successor nominated by him, but he always helps his pupils internally in the astral form. 2. When the pupil dies, the inner master has to decide as to whether he is again to be sent to the physical world or to be stationed in some intermediate region from where he can rise upwards. This depends on the pupil's tendencies and desires. If there is desire in the mind of the people for any worldly pleasure or worldly attachment, he has to be sent back to this world. As on rebirth the memory of his previous birth is washed away, he again has to get initiation from a living master. But on rebirth he is bound to get initiation and begin his course again from the point where he left it during the previous incarnation. 3. Yes, the obligation does not come to an end until the pupil has reached Satlok. Even if the obligation is transferred, it does not matter to the pupil because the masters are all one and the same. The real master is Shabd, or word, which never dies. Four, he need not know. When he gets initiation in the second incarnation, he will be guided by the then master. Five, has already been replied to in two above. When the pupil has crossed the second stage, he need not be reborn. It may be pointed out that after the master has left the physical body, 
and his successor has come in his place, the pupil initiated by the deceased master need not contemplate and concentrate on the form of the successor. He may continue to contemplate and concentrate on the form of the master who initiated him. Posture. Any posture in which you can sit comfortably will do. You can get a chair made with cushioned arms on which you can rest each elbow and close your eyes and ears with your fingers. The object is to get concentration, and any posture which can bring it about is sufficient. But sitting on the feet is considered to be helpful in concentration, and in this posture the sound is clearer. The reason seems to be that in this posture one remains free from sloth and feels active. No doubt it is difficult for you, but I could give three hours at a stretch in this posture. You may give only so much time in this posture as you comfortably can. The distance between the feet should be so much as to keep the spine erect and straight. At first it seems very difficult, but as the concentration grows, the, posture, the position naturally becomes right. No particular posture is prescribed by the masters excepting the one on the feet, but any other posture could be taken according to one's taste and convenience. Frequent change of posture hinders concentration. Yes, not a single case of toppling over has come to my notice. In India, a large proportion concentrate in the prescribed posture. Food. Yes, extracts of cod liver, etc. are to be avoided, but they can be prescribed to non-initiates. There, no pres- there is no restriction regarding wearing apparel. The master is not allowed to accept anything for his own personal use or his family, He lives upon his pension or private earnings. At repetition, the five holy names are to be be repeated without any thought of light or sound. Whether slowly or rapidly does not matter. What matters is is that no idea should be allowed to rise in the mind during repetition. When alone, repetition may be done so that others cannot hear. This habit aids in concentration. Listening to a gong does not aid in concentration. After practice and repetition, the sound will become audible. There is no A after sat in satnam. PH in gupfa should be pronounced like PH in philosophy. Ch is to be uttered as the CH in rich. Yes, Radhaswami is the name of the highest master and is used in greetings here in India. And that is the end of letter number 197. And for the second reading, I wanted to read... Pastor Kripal Singh's great um, discourse, The Essence of Religion, which was the presidential address that he gave as president of the World Fellowship of Religions on the 26th of February, 1965. This was at the Third World Religions Conference in New Delhi. So close, very close to 40 years ago. And it's a, it is uh, a talk which definitely covers the essence of religion and Saint Mark.
Master Kripal Singh begins, my own self in the form of ladies and gentlemen. We have once again gathered together in the historic town of Delhi. This time the Conference of the World Fellowship of Religions, the third of its kind, is being held at a, at a place known as the Ramlila Grounds, <coughs> grounds made hallowed year after year by the performance of scenes from the life story of Lord Rama, who in the ancient epic symbolized in him the highest culture of Aryavarta, the land of the Aryans. He is worshipped even now as ever before as an ideal in the different phases of life, an ideal son, an ideal brother, an ideal husband, and an ideal king, and significantly enough, his life portrays, above all, the eternal struggle that is going on between virtue and vice, both in the mind of man and in the world around him, leading to ultimate triumph of good over evil. The idea of World Fellowship of Religions, as you all know, is not a new one. We have had instances of it in the past when enlightened kings like Karwal, Ashoka, Sarmudra Gupta, Harsha Verdna, Akbar, and Jahangir held such conferences, each in his own way, to understand the viewpoint of various religions prevailing at the time and invited the learned men of the realm to translate the scriptures of various religions in the current language of the people. In the present era, the idea was revived when in 1893, a parliament of religions was held at Chicago. The present forum was thought of by Muni Sushil Kumarji, who conceived the idea of instituting a World Fellowship of Religions under whose auspices international conferences could be held and sustained work could be undertaken for promoting mutual respect and understanding of various religions. Our first conference was held in November 1957 in the Divan the Hall of Public Audience in the Red Fort in Delhi. About three years later, in February 1960, Calcutta became the venue for its deliberations. I am glad that the fellowship has, during this interval, grown from strength to strength. It is encouraging to see all the delegates that have assembled from the four corners of the earth, representing countless shades of religious thought and opinion, but united in one common endeavor, to find out the essential and basic unity of all religions, the common meeting ground where all faiths are one. In short, we are in search of the grand truth of life, the bedrock of all existence, no matter at what level. All the religions agree that life, light, and love are the three phases of the supreme source of all that exists. These essential attributes of the divinity that is one, though designated differently by the prophets and peoples of the world, are also wrought in the very pattern of every sentient being. It is in this vast ocean of love, light, and life that we live, have our very being, and move about, and yet, strange as it may seem, like the proverbial fish in water, we do not know this truth, and much less practice it in our daily life, and hence, the endless fear, helplessness, and misery that we see around us in this world, in spite of all our laudable efforts and sincere strivings to get rid of them. Love is the only touchstone wherewith we can measure our understanding of the twin principles of life and light in us and how far we have traveled on the path of self-knowledge and God-knowledge. God is love, 
The soul in man is a spark of that love. And love again is the link between God and man on the one hand and man and God's creation on the other. It is therefore said, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Similarly, Guru Gobind Singh says, Verily I say unto thee, that he whose heart is bubbling over with love, he alone shall find God. Love, in a nutshell, is the fulfillment of the law of life and light. All the prophets, all the religions, and all the scriptures hang on two commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Questioned as to our attitude toward our enemies, Christ said, Love thine enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father in heaven, be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. With the yardstick of love, the very essence of God's character with us, let us probe our hearts. Is our life an efflorescent of God's love? Are we ready to serve one another with love? Do we keep our hearts open to the healthy influences coming from outside? Are we patient and tolerant toward those who differ from us? Are our minds coextensive with the creation of God and ready to embrace the totality of his being? Do we bleed inwardly at the sight of the downtrodden and the depressed? Do we pray for the sick and suffering humanity? If we do not do any of these things, we are yet far removed from God and from religion, no matter how loud we may be in our talk and pious in our platitudes and pompous in our proclamations. With all our inner craving for peace, we have failed and failed hopelessly to serve the cause of God's peace on earth. Ends and means are interlocked and cannot be separated from each other. We cannot have peace so long as we try to achieve it with warlike means and with the weapons of destruction and extinction. With the germs of hatred in our hearts, racial and color bars rankling within us, thoughts of political domination and economic exploitation surging in our bloodstream, we are working for wrecking the social structure which we have so strenuously built and not for peace unless it be the peace of the grave but certainly not for a living peace, born of mutual love and respect, trust and concord, that may go to ameliorate mankind and transform this earth into a paradise for which we so fervently pray and preach from pulpits and platforms, and yet, as we proceed, it recedes away into the distant horizon. Where then lies the remedy? Is the disease past all cure? No, it is not so. Life and light of God are still there to help and guide us in the wilderness. We see this wilderness around us because we are bewildered in the heart of our hearts and do not see things in their proper perspective. This vast outer world is nothing but a reflex of our own little world within us. The seeds of discord and disharmony in the soil of our mind bear fruit in and around us and do so in abundance. We are what we think and see the world with the smoke-colored glasses that we choose to put on. It is a proof positive of one thing only, that we have so far not known 
the life and light of God, and much less realized God in man. We are off-center in the game of life. We are playing it at the circumference only, and never have a dip in the deepest waters of life at the center. This is why we constantly find ourselves caught in the vortex of the swirling waters on the surface. The life at the circumference of our being is, in fact, not different from the life at the center of our being. The two are, in fact, not unidentical, yet when one is divorced from the other, they look dissimilar. Hence the strange paradox. The physical life, though a manifestation of God, is full of toil and turmoil, storm and stress, dissipation and disruption. In our enthusiasm and zest for outer life on the plane of the senses, we have strayed too far away from our center. Nay, we've altogether lost sight of it. And worse still, we have cut the very moorings of our bark. And no wonder then we find ourselves tossing helplessly on the sea of life. Rudderless and without a compass to guide our course, we are unwittingly a prey to chance winds and waters, and we cannot see the shoals, the sandbanks, and the submerged rocks with which our way is strewn. In this frightful plight, we are drifting along the onrushing current of life, where we know not. <clears throat> this world, after all, is not and cannot be so bad as we take it to be. This world is a manifestation of the life principle of the Creator and is being sustained by His light. His love is at the bottom of all of this. The world with its various religions is made for us, and we are to benefit from them. One cannot learn swimming on dry land. All that we have to do is correctly learn and understand the basic live truths as are embodied in our scriptures and practice them carefully under the guidance of some theocentric saint. These scriptures come into being by God-inspired prophets, and as such, some God-intoxicated person or a God-man can give us a proper interpretation of them, initiate us into their right import by reconciling the seeming discrepancies in thought, and finally, help us inwardly on the God path. Without such a practical guidance, both without and within, we are trapped in the magic spell of forms and minds and cannot possibly reach at the esoteric truth lying under a mass of verbiage of the bygone ages and now solidified into fossils with the lapse of time into institutionalized forms, formulae, and formularies of the ruling class. Every religion has of necessity a threefold aspect. First, the traditional, comprising myths and legends for the lay brethren. Second, the philosophical treatises based on reason to satisfy the hunger of the intellectuals concerned more with the why and wherefore of things than anything else, with great stress on theory of the subject and emphasis on ethical development, which is so very necessary for spiritual growth. And third, the esoteric part, the central core in every religion, meant for the chosen few, the genuine seekers after truth. This last part deals with the mystic personal experiences of the founders of all religions and other advanced souls. It is this part, called mysticism, the core of all religions, that has to be sifted and enshrined in the heart for practice and experience. These inner experiences of all sages and seers from time immemorial are the same, 
irrespective of the religio-social orders to which they belonged, and deal in the main with the light and life of God, no matter at what level, and the methods and means for achieving direct results are also similar. Religious experience, says Plotinus, lies in the finding of the true home by the exile, meaning the pilgrim soul to whom the kingdom of God is at present just a lost province. Similarly, Henry Bergson, another great philosopher, tells us, the surest way to truth is by perception, by intuition, by reasoning to a certain point, and then taking a mortal leap. These philosophers have said nothing new. They've just repeated in their own way the time-honored ancient truths regarding paravidya, the knowledge of the beyond, the references to which in terse and succinct form we find in all the scriptures of the world. For example, in Christian theology we have learn to die so that you may begin to live. St. Paul adds significantly, I die daily. And he that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life shall find it. The holy prophet of Arabia speaks of mota kibal ant matu, death before actual death. Dadu and other saints likewise say, learn to die while living, for in the end, of course, everyone has to die. Thus we have seen that light and life of God constitute the holy common ground at which all religions do meet. And if we could take hold of these saving lifelines, we can become live centers of spirituality, no matter to what religion we owe our allegiance, for the fulfillment of our social needs and the development of our moral well-being. God made man, and man in course of time made religions as so many vehicles for his uplift according to the prevailing conditions of the people. While riding in these vehicles, our prime need is to raise our moral and spiritual stature to such an extent as to come nearer to God, and this, it may be noted, is not merely a possibility, but as sure a mathematical certainty as two and two make four, with, of course, proper guidance and help from some adept well-versed not only in theory, but also in the practice of the science of the soul. It is not a province of mere philosophers or theologians or the intellectually great. I just take two instances to illustrate my point. God, according to all scriptures, is described as the father of lights, Nuran ala nur, Swayam Jyoti Sarup, all of which are nothing but synonymous terms, the father of lights. But ask any religious authority as to the connotation of these words, and he would say that they are only figurative terms without any inner significance. Why? Because he has not actually experienced in person God's light, uncreate and immortal, self-effulgent and shadowless, which Moses, Zoroaster, Buddha, Christ, Muhammad, Nanak, Kabir, and others of their kind actually witnessed and realized and taught those who came in contact with them to do likewise. Again, like the practice of lighting candles, symbolic of the inner light, there's another practice in churches and temples of ringing the bell, or bells, and giving of azam by muzan which has a much deeper inner significance than is realized and surprisingly enough is taken to be just a call to the faithful for prayer. 
Herein lies the great hiatus between learning and wisdom, which are at poles asunder. For this, too, is symbolic of the music of the soul, the audible life stream, the music of the spheres, the actual life principle pulsating in all the creation. Without taking any more of your time, I would like to emphasize one thing, that all religions, all religions are profoundly good, truly worthy of our love and respect. The object of this conference is not to found any new religion, as we have already enough of them, nor to evaluate the extent religions we have with us. Again, we should shed the idea of drawing up one world religion, for all religions, like so many states, are, in spite of their variegated forms and colors, but flowers in the garden of God, and they smell sweet. The most pressing need of the time, therefore, is to study our religious scriptures thoughtfully and to reclaim our lost heritage. Everyone has in him, says a saint, a pearl of priceless value, but as he does not know, as he does not know how to unearth it, he is going about with a beggar's bowl. It is a practical subject, and even to call it a religion of soul is a misnomer, for soul has no religion whatsoever. We may, if you like, call it the science of the soul, for it is truly a science, more scientific than all the known sciences of the world, capable of yielding valuable and verifiable results, quite precise and definite. By contacting the light and life principles, the primordial manifestations of God within the laboratory of the man-body, which all the scriptures declare to be a veritable temple of God, by doing that we can virtually draw upon the bread and water of life, rise into cosmic awareness, and gain immortality. This is the be-all and end-all of all religions, and embedded as we all are in the one divinity, we ought to represent the noble truth of the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. It is the living word of the living God and has a great potential in it. It has been rightly said, man does not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. And this word of God is an unwritten law and an unspoken language. He who by the power of the word finds himself can never again lose anything in the world. He who once grasps the human in himself understands all mankind. It is that knowledge by knowing which everything else becomes known. This is an immutable law of the unchangeable permanence and is not designed by any human head. It is the sruti of the Vedas, the nad or udgit of the Upanishads, the sarosha of the Zendavesta, the Holy Spirit of the Gospels, the lost word of the Masons, the kalma of the Prophet Muhammad, the Sat of the Sufis, the Shabda or Nam of the Sikh scriptures, the music of the spheres and of all harmonies of Plato and Pythagoras, and the voice of the silence of the Theosophists. It can be contacted, grasped, and communed with by every sincere seeker after truth, for the good not only of himself but of the entire humanity, for it acts as a sure safety valve against all dangers with which mankind is threatened in this atomic age. The only prerequisite, prerequisite for acquiring the spiritual treasure in one's own soul is self-knowledge. This is why sages and seers, in all times and in all climes, have in unmistakable terms laid emphasis on self-analysis. 
Their clarion call to humanity has always been, Man, know thyself. The Aryan thinkers in the Ori past called it Atam Gyan, or knowledge of the Atman, or soul. The ancient Greeks and Romans in turn gave it the name Nothisitan or Nosithipsum, respectively. The Muslim divines called it Kudshanasi, and Guru Nanak, Kabir, and others stressed the need for Apo China, or self-analysis, and declared that so long as man did not separate his soul from body and mind, he lived only a superficial life of delusion on the physical plane of existence. True knowledge is undoubtedly an action of the soul and is perfect without the senses. This, then, is the acme of all investigations carried out by man since the first flicker of self-awakening dawned in him. This is the one truth I learned in my life, both in theory and practice, from my master, Baba Sawan Singh Ji Maharaj, and have today placed it before you, as I have already been doing before the peoples in the West and the East during my extensive tours all over, and have on experience found it of ready acceptance everywhere as a current coin, for it is the sole panacea for all the ills of the world, as well as ills of the flesh, to which man is a natural heir through the working of the inexorable law of action and reaction, ye shall reap as ye shall sow. All of our religions are, after all, an expression of the inner urge felt by man from time to time to find a way out of the discord without into the halcyon calm of the soul within. The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. But we are so constituted by nature that we feel restless until we find a rest in the causeless cause. If we live up to our scriptures and realize the light and life of God within us, then surely as day follows the night, love would reign supreme in the universe, and we will see nothing but the unseen hand of God working everywhere. We must then sit together as members of the one great family of mankind, so that we may understand each other. We are, above everything else, one. From the level of God as our Father, from the level of humans as his children, and from the level of worshippers of the same truth or power of God called by so many names, in this august assembly of the spiritually awakened, we can learn the great truth of oneness of life vibrating in the universe. If we do this, then surely this world, with so many forms and colors, will appear a veritable handiwork of God, and we shall verily perceive the same life impulse enlivening all of us. As his own dear children embedded in him, like so many roses in his rose bed, let us join together in sweet remembrance of God and pray to him for the well-being of the world in this hour of imminent danger of annihilation that stares us in the face. May God in his infinite mercy save us all, whether we deserve it or not. Before I sit down, I heartily welcome you, my brothers and sisters, and thank you warmly for your kindness and sincerity in furthering such a noble mission that has brought us together. And that, the essence of religion, I'm reading from the book, The Way of the Saints. We're continuing in the talk, How I Met My Master, which Master Kripal Singh 
gave in Washington, D.C. on his 1963-64 world tour. And it, um, the sheets should uh, be available for people who are following along. And just as a heads up, um, Susan has graciously marked this to say that it begins on uh, the bottom, very bottom of page 28. The surrender is called devotion. Love finds lover. Devotion and surrender finds the beloved. When you surrender somebody to somebody, well, he will sacrifice everything for you. This is uh, surrender is the gift of yourself. That is our mother. Leave all you follow me. <laughs> we surrender everything, we cannot surrender. You'll find people like that who surrender their body. There are also you'll find people who can surrender their wealth. How many there are who can surrender their minds? <laughs> Say, surrender your body, surrender your everything, power, position, surrender your mind, your soul. Then he says, You are with God. So these are the things what are required, you see, generally. Common sense stuff. You have to love because it is in it, don't misfit it. If you love others for the sake of the soul and the God in them, that's all right, that won't give you any attachment. If you love for those bodies' sake, yesterday there was a telephone to me here. Some lady was there, he says, My son is dead, eleven years old. I want to meet her, meet him. Can I meet him? I told you, why you want to meet him? He joined you as son, daughter, and anything, reactions to be wound up all give and take. He has gone his own way. No, no, I want to meet him. I do everything, what you say. All right, if you go, if he's not reincarnated, then you might find him. And that's also you find him where your spirituality gone. You have an initiated, I told him. I must be frank, I told him. So after a few minutes, he came out, I am doing wrong. <laughs> you can help him, that's all, by your prayer. And his best wishes for him, pray for him, that's all right. Things are very clear, but we have got our smoky glasses, you see. Sano, I see that you 
when we take the first step of joining any religion, we go to church, to the holy places of worship, where the ministers of those churches, they tell us, repeat all the scriptures from day to day, the same story. This God, the Son of God, you can meet him through the Son Man, Son of Man. God is within you, kingdom of God is within you. So by hearing all these, these are only meant to develop love and devotion in us, to know God, to strong desire. And those who have that strong desire in them to see God by reading scriptures, daily lectures, well, he said, they say, oh, ministers, stop all the reading of these scriptures to me now. Tell me how to see. <laughs> <laughs> this had been developed in me to know God, you see, that earnest desire. I don't like to anymore your preachings, now tell me how to know God, how to see God. <laughs> you see, all the through life we have been holding all these yarns, long yarns, you see. God is there, God is within you, you have joined this religion, you remain in this religion. You are, oh minister, what are you doing? You are after keeping your formations intact. You see, nobody should run away out of that. And he says, I am after finding God, I don't care to... I, the religion has to do with my body. I wish to, if he is within me and beyond all senses, well, tell me how to know him, how to see him. The other desire of any lover of God is. Such like... But uh, when you would ask a minister, suppose, and tell him, well, uh, how to find God, his normal answer would be, well, if you read the scriptures and if you live right, uh, after you die, then Christ will show you that you God. Well, that's all right. Religious only promise after death, not in life. But mysticism promising in life, Master, never after death. If you want to live on credit, it is your own question. <laughs> Everything in the world you want cash. In the case of life and death problem, you would like to wait till after that, it is up to you. <laughs> then the natural question arises. Well, if you are so much yearning, so much pining after seeing God, why don't you die in that separation? Hmm? You have heard about Lord Rama. Hmm? His wife was abducted by one Raman king. He was under his arrest. She was under his arrest. For so many years Rama went to but he would like to find out the clue whether his wife was there, Sita was there or not. When Hanuman was he went there, he found he was there and like that. When he came back, he brought the clue to Lord Rama, where Sita is there alive. Then he asked him, why did, he, why did she not die? He said, when he will be separated from me, he will die. Why is she alive? Well, you see, strong yearning means that. Like a fish cannot live without water. People say so, but really that's not so. <coughs> then what he replies? That Sita, the soul of Sita left the body but is waiting the eyes. Why? The angel of death comes, he does not find him in the body, <laughs> her in the body. But still she is waiting the eye to see you. 
So, so strong a young man, this is natural feet of love. The whole master, whenever they came, they said, Then Guru said, Hey, y'all, I tell you the truth. Irrespective whether you belong to one religion or the other, that makes no difference. Through love alone, you can know God. All of the sources say, Though you do not know, love cannot know God. Christ said, If ye love me, keep my commandments. What he says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but he know him, for he dwelleth in you, and shall be in you, I will not leave you. Comforter, I will come to you again. If two men, four men love the same man, this is a point for consideration. Between the two love is that, where there is no question arises for competition. When there are two lovers of the same master, they compete. He said, I should be in front, and they said, I should be in front. <laughs> love, no, no duality, no competition, no anger, no, I mean, coming to the front. So just, I mean, judge your love for the Master. Why are these conflicts remaining among the followers? Because they have got not real love, I tell you. If they got real love, real love, love knows no competition. He will be happy. The more he can, he will put shoulders to the wheel for the same cause. This is generally the thing. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will, and in my name he shall teach you all things and bring all things to you, remembrance to your remembrance, whatever I have said unto you, you say, peace I leave with you, my peace will remain with you forever. So love knows, and I told you, no competition. You do, you see, do. Followers are the same master, they do not agree. He says, I am in the forefront. The other says, I am in the forefront. What's the reason? Well, I think to me, apparently, he has no love for the master. Do love. He love for the master for selfish motives. He wants to become near to him to the forefront of it. <coughs> so, love is the remedy for all things. Love and all things shall be added unto you. That's a pity you don't love. And then he says, Had your father had loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I kept my father's commandments, and I abide in his love. He loved his master, his God, you see. So this is, <coughs> he says, I give you a new commandment, you love one another. There we are wanting, I tell you. I am pressing on this point very much ever since I have come. 
This is the only remedy for all our ills. If you get some one, one man going ahead, well, it is his grace. I tell you, <coughs> now I have come to, by the way, in the beginning I used to put in more time. I was transferred to Raul Pini. Today, first day I will tell you the <coughs> And everybody knew it. Very follower of the master, this and that. So. That <coughs> even came to be known to <laughs> she sitting here, we were there. She never knew me before that. People said to me, he is here, he is a very great follower of his master. She said, what greater life with him? He puts in six hours a day in meditation. She said, all right, if he puts, I will put in six hours, then I will meet him. Such <laughs> <laughs> like competition is good. <laughs> what is it? We want, we want to eclipse others. We want to eclipse others by placing our son in the front. So she did not come to see me, I tell you. <laughs> For months together, when she put in six, seven hours a day, then she, along with her husband, came to see me. And only when, when my son died. Yeah. I was quite jolly, all right. Doctor came up at the night. He was just doing this and that thing. I told my wife, how are you giving? What have that here to go? You have to finish as it's give and take. At night or about midnight he passed away, you see. He took the breath and that his long vomiting and became cold, you see. I went to the letter, sent for him and doctor came and said, Oh I'll give some medicine we all right. In the morning he came up, he was quite ready to go. Doctor said, Oh, he no looks better well, wait outside, he's just going. <laughs> so I looked at me and then passed away. Here everybody came up. At this time, Riti said, how this family came in contact with me. She and her husband. He also she met me, her, her husband met me, the whole family. And they were stuck, you see, son is that you're quite jolly, it's nothing to worry like that. All people came and they said somebody in the sick temple, well look at it, two sick is coming out. It's a credit to our religion. And her husband heard about it, and he cannot be. He must be the father of my master. He never knew him <laughs> He went and inquired about it. That was so. And told her, look here, he's my brother. He's going and sitting at the feet of my master. So they came up for condolences. You see. They wanted to say, what are they doing? I gave them tea and some this and that. <laughs> so such like competition is good. No, one man does other reflects on the Oh well, two men are serving for the same cause to put shoulders to the The more one progresses, the better. Why all these conflicts? Because we do not love the mass. Totally speaking. If anybody has become the, I mean, beloved of the master, well, it is good. You shall also become. See how the other one has become the master of the wire. There must be something. So such like, you see, love, no, no competition, you see. No, I mean, saying, why other men has went forward this and that. They quietly, they unknowingly, they go on doing it.
they won't show. They will go and let others see. So these are the things which is required. <coughs> he says always, uh, Christ said, I, I loved you. Great love hath no man than this, that a man may lay down his life. Have no service and sacrifice for his friends. He says, what Christ says, you know, ye are my friends. He didn't want to make us slaves. Master never make you slaves. The beauty of our master was, you see, he addressed us very respectfully. How about we How does how? He was very loving. See, master never makes you slaves of you, mind that. He makes you friends, you see. And why? If you do whatever I command you, henceforth I call you not as servants, for the servants knoweth not what is Lord doeth, but I have called you as my friends. For all things I have known of my Father, I have made known to you. You follow? Where are such masters, I said? They consider others like their slaves, bad slaves. They make the best use of them. And I tell you, masters' conditions are very strong. Those who want to take service of his other disciple mates without the permission of his master, then master turns away his face from him. We consider that Jajo, everybody now loves me, he serves me, he gives me sacrifices, he gives me so many booms and donations and like that. Refuse. Where you have to compare, compare. He is, one man does more, so you still do, do more. <coughs> if he does say four hours, you put in five hours. That's a good competition, isn't it? <laughs> but that we do not do. That's a pity. And this is the basic cause of all conflicts, difference of opinion. Formations are made when we were wanting in love, I tell you, honestly. Personally, I am not in favor, well, what to do? I would like to introduce my friend, Mrs. Monsieur, from Boston, who has been very kind. Yeah, yes, yeah, glad to see you. Yeah. <laughs> why don't you interpret the song that Madam I gave you the gist of that, you know. <laughs> well, they cry, oh, minister, you have been repeating all these scriptures to me for ages. Now tell me how to find him, where to find him. <laughs> yeah. Where to find me, how to find him. I know I have to find him, but I don't know where and how. Religious all tell you like that, but they don't know where to find him. <laughs> And how to find it? Why then? Those who are ministers, they have to let our religions stand intact, let nobody run away out of it. That don't go to any other religion, mind that. You won't remain a Christian, you won't remain a Hindu or a Mohammedan. <laughs> They're after that. You see? And the lovers say, oh, how to find God? All lovers are one. <coughs> we have to join the army of God, mind that. But ministers keep you stuck fast in your dungeons, you see. 
water ties compared not to run away from one place, not to attend the other. Mind that. If you heard that, you will think, what are all these things? These appear to be ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> That's it. So formations <coughs> result in stagnation. They go on so long as awakenment are there. Those are not awakened, they become strongholds. One religion begins to hate the other. And stagnation, after that, they only form this way. In this way, only then you are acceptable to God. Well, you have to see with what love you perform one ritual or that. That love counts, not the ritual, how you perform it. And naturally, stagnation results in deterioration that we cause of all these conflicts. They are spending thousands and millions of dollars <coughs> for the upkeep of their own formation. They will be ready to kill hundreds of thousands of men for the sake of that they release wars. But they would not like to serve those hungry gods moving on earth, you see. I give you only a couple of stars, you see. <laughs> I think there will be no interview this evening, Master has been giving since morning up to nine o'clock. <laughs> no, no interview. Do you want any more interview after 10 15? All right. That is my No, no, is there anybody who has come? I have no objection. Who are there? Yes, you go to see at once. Or I let them make the best use of me. Our closing bhajan is a bhajan of Guru Arjan Devji Maharaj on page 157. Sharanapeya. The hot wind does not blow over one who has the Guru's protection. The hot wind doesn't blow, doesn't blow over one who has the Guru's protection. The Lord's protecting circle is on all four sides. Pain and sorrow. Do not bother me, O brother. I have met the perfect Satguru, who has made me as he wanted. He gave me the medicine of God's name, and I am in tune with him. The protector has saved me and cured all my sickness. Nanak says, the Lord has given his grace and support to me. The hot wind does not blow over one who has the Guru's protection. Sativao na lagadiji gurandi sharanapeya Sativao na lagadiji gurandi sharanapeya Sativao na lagadiji gurandi sharanapeya Sativao na lagai 
The hot wind does not blow over one who has the Guru's protection. May God bless us all.